section nine of orpheus and mayfair stories by maurice baring this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by mount perard section nine the garland the referendarius had three junior clerks to carry on the business of his department and they in their turn were assisted by two scribes who did most of the copying and kept the records the work of the department consisted in filing and annotating the petitions and cases which were referred from the lower courts through the channel of the referendarius to the emperor the three clerks and their two scribes occupied a high marble room in the spacious office it was as yet early in april but nevertheless the sun out of doors was almost fierce the high marble rooms of the office were cool and stuffy at the same time and the spring sunshine without the soft breeze from the sea the call of the flower-sellers in the street and the lazy murmur of the town had in these shaded musty and parchment-smelling halls diffused an atmosphere of laziness which inspired the clerks in question with an overwhelming desire to do nothing there was indeed no pressing work on hand only from time to time the referendarius who occupied a room to himself next door to theirs would communicate with them through a hole in the wall demanding information on some point or asking to be supplied with certain documents then the clerks would make a momentary pretense of being busy and ultimately the scribes would find either the documents or the information which were required as it was the clerks were all of them engaged in occupations which were remote from official work the eldest of them cephalus by name a man who was distinguished from the others by a certain refined sobriety both in his dark dress and in his quiet demeanour was reading a treatise on algebra the second theophilus a musician whose tunic was as bright as his flaming hair was mending a small organ and the third rufinus a rather pale short-sighted and untidy youth was scribbling on a tablet the scribes were busy sorting old records and putting them away in their permanent places presently an official strolled in from another department he was a middle-aged corpulent and cheerful-looking man dressed in gaudy coloured tissue on which all manner of strange birds were depicted he was bursting with news Focus is going to win he said it is certain cephalus looked vaguely up from his book and said oh theophilus and rufinus paid no attention to the remark well continued the newcomer cheerfully who will come to the races with me as soon as he heard the word races rufinus looked up from his scribbling i will come he said if i can get leave i did not know you cared for that sort of thing said cephalus rufinus blushed and murmured something about going every now and then he walked out of the room and sought the referendarius in the next room this official was reading a document he did not look up when rufinus entered but went on with his reading at last after a prolonged interval he turned round and said what is it may i go to the races asked rufinus well said the high official what about your work we've finished everything said the clerk 
the head of the department assumed an air of mystery and coughed i don't think i can very well see my way to letting you go he said i am very sorry he added quickly and if it depended on me you should go at once but he he added he always alluded to the head of the office as he does not like it he may come in at any moment and find you gone no i'm afraid i can't let you go to-day now if it had been yesterday you could have gone i should only be away an hour said rufinus tentatively he might choose just that hour to come round if it depended only on me you should go at once and he laughed and slapped rufinus on the back jocularly the clerk did not press the point further you'd better get on with that index said the high official as rufinus withdrew he told the result of his interview to his sporting friend who started out by himself to the hippodrome rufinus settled down to his index but he soon fell into a mood of abstraction the races and the games did not interest him in the least it was something else which attracted him and as he sat musing the vision of the hippodrome as he had last seen it rose clearly before him he saw the seaweed-coloured marble the glistening porticos adorned with the masterpieces of greece crowded with women in gemmed embroideries and men in white tunics hemmed with broad purple he saw the generals with their barbaric officers bulgarians persians arabs slavs the long line of savage-looking prisoners in their chains and the golden breastplates of the standard bearers he saw the immense silk vellum floating in the azure air over that rippling sea of men those hundreds of thousands who swarmed on the marble steps of the hippodrome he saw the emperor in his high-pillared box on his circular throne of dull gold surrounded by slaves fanning him with jewel-coloured plumes and fenced round with golden swords and opposite him on the other side of the stadium the empress mantled in a stiff pontifical robe laden with heavy embroidered stuffs her little head framed like a portrait in a square crown of gold and diamonds whence chains of emeralds hung down to her breast motionless as an idol impassive as a gilded mummy he saw the crowd of gorgeous women grouped like eastern flowers around her he saw one woman he saw one form as fresh as a lily of the valley all white amidst that hard metallic splendour frail as a dewy anemone slender as the moist narcissus he saw one face like the chalice of a rose and amidst all those fiery jewels two large eyes as soft as dark violets and the sumptuous court the plumes the swords the standards the hot vari-coloured crowd melted away and disappeared so that when the emperor rose and made the sign of the cross over his people first to the right and then to the left and thirdly over the half-circle behind him and the singers of st sophia and the church of the holy apostles mingled their vast chant with the shrill trebles of the chorus of the hippodrome to the sound of silver organs he thought that the great hymn of praise was rising to her and to her alone and that men had come from the uttermost parts of the earth to pay homage to her to sing her praise to kneel to her to her the wondrous the very beautiful peerless radiant perfect a voice followed by a cough called from the hole in the wall but rufinus paid no heed so deeply sunk was he in his vision 
rufinus the chief is calling you said cephalus rufinus started and hurried to the hole in the wall the head of the department gave him a message for an official in another department rufinus hurried with the message downstairs and delivered it on his way back he passed the main portico on the ground floor he walked out into the street it was empty everybody was at the games a dark-skinned country girl passed him singing a song about the swallow and the spring she was bearing a basket full of anemones violets narcissa wild roses and lilies of the valley will you sell me your flowers he asked and he held out a silver coin you are welcome to them said the girl i do not need your money he took the flowers and returned to the room upstairs the flowers filled the stuffy place with an unwanted and wonderful fragrance then he sat down and appeared to be once more busily engrossed in his index but side by side with the index he had a small tablet and on this every now and then he added or erased a word to a short poem the sense of it was something like this rhodoclea flowers of spring i have woven in a ring take this wreath my offering rhodoclea here's the lily here's the rose her full chalice shall disclose here's narcissus wet with dew one flower and the violet blue where the garland i have made crowned with it put pride away for the wreath that blooms must fade thou thyself must fade some day rhodoclea End of section nine